Well, good morning. Welcome uh, to Village Bible Church, Sugar Grove Campus. Welcome to those of you who are online. My name is uh, Pastor Phil, and I serve as the online campus pastor and the connections pastor right here at the Sugar Grove Campus. Uh, Today, I have the distinct pleasure of leading us into a brand new sermon series titled Christmas Is. We're going to explore some different aspects of the Christmas season, trying to get our focus right back into where it should be, which is Christ, focusing on that. You see, our times, actually all times, are centered, it seems, around materialism and and around consumerism, and, and that's what we often talk about and often strategize about within our homes But this series, Christmas Is, is going to try to revamp that a little bit, and we're going to look at ways that we could celebrate Jesus Christ, this beautiful baby that came. In this series, we're going to explore four distinct uh, actions that we pull out of different portions of Scripture, giving, trusting, sharing, and serving. We're going to dive into Scripture. We're going to pull from the Scripture what we see and try to uncover uh, these beautiful stories. Next week, on the 17th, we're going to focus in on Christmas is trusting, where we're going to draw from the inspiration of Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus's. The following week, on Christmas Eve, in the evening, remember we have three services in the evening, We are going to look at Christmas is serving, identifying and looking at the humility and the willingness to serve in Mary's life. And then on New Year's Eve, we are going to look at Christmas is sharing. We're going to look and and try to call each of us to a, to a, a moment of action. When we look at the shepherds and we see what they were doing when the angel came and they went and and saw baby Jesus and they went to the streets and they shouted out his name all about the Messiah. Today, today we're going to focus in and we're going to embark on a journey of Christmas is giving. And the reason I say we're going to be on a journey is because we're going to go along with the wise men, the magi, and we're going to follow along their story as they went on their journey, as they met Herod, as they went to Bethlehem, presented their gifts, and worshiped Jesus, understanding that all of it, all the crux of that whole story is rooted in their focus in on Jesus. So, in Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to turn. We're going to dig into this scripture, and we're going to try to learn. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's probably one right in front of you uh, in your aisle. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, they told Herod, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful uh, for your word. We're so thankful that it is powerful, that it can transform anyone. Lord, we pray that you are the one who speaks to us today. Speak to me. Speak to each of us. Let us learn something from you. We pray that our focus and our attention is in on your message. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as I was prepping for this message, teaching about the magi, the, the wise men in, in Matthew chapter 2, I found numerous directions that I could go with the sermon. In fact, I could start by going into great detail of the star that guided the wise men. I, I could look exactly what that celestial phenomenon was. Was it a conjunction of planets? Was it a <coughs> excuse me? Was it a supernova? Was it a light that, that God placed in the sky, kind of like he did in the Exodus? I think that would make a, a very compelling story. Really interesting to learn how God used his creation to guide them to his son. But we're not going to talk about that today. I, I could spend a whole bunch of time talking about the possibility of the prophet Daniel, who we're going to really start digging into when we start teaching on Daniel in January. I could talk about his story and how he played a pivotal role in this, probably, passing down the prophecy uh, where he was leading the Magi in Babylon and how he shared the, the great prophecy that Jesus the Messiah was coming it would be a great way to tie in the Old Testament prophecy to what happened in the events in the New Testament. But we're not going to go there. I, I mean, I could uh, talk about the number and the composition of the Magi. You see, our postcards and our nativity sets often depict three kings, three men wearing crowns, bowing down with the shepherds in the stable. Now, I'm not going to talk about the fact that they weren't kings or that they weren't there when Jesus was born. I'm not going to necessarily dig into the thing that there was probably way more than three people. It was probably a whole caravan of people, soldiers, servants. We could examine why King Herod 
and Jerusalem, why they were anxious and, and even King Herod being angry and how he couldn't believe that there was going to be another king of the Jews because he was the king. We could go into great detail about that, talking about the political and the cultural uh, issues going on at the time, but we're not going to go there. We can go in really great detail of, of the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, where each of them came from, and, and how, how they even get this, these riches. I heard one person say, talk about it might have been an inheritance from Daniel, but we're not going to go there. That'd be fun. You see, today our focus is going to be specifically on the act of giving demonstrated by the Magi from the moment that they were compelled by the star to the moment they worshiped and left King Jesus. We're gonna look at that and we're gonna try to mirror that in a, in a, in a time of obedience in our own journey and our own walk and faith of Jesus Christ. So let's dig into our first point. Our first point is our giving centers on Jesus. Our giving centers on Jesus. Now, I remember as a kid, Christmas at the Chapman household with the four boys, when we would walk downstairs, we would see underneath the tree dozens and dozens of presents. And there was great excitement. And I would take those gifts, I would shake them, I would feel them, I would just hope somehow that I got one of those gifts that I circled in the Sears catalog. I was just hoping. Now, I remember those three big Christmases. That one where I received the Atari 2600. That gaming console that gave my brothers and I hours of joy. Or that one year I got that red guitar. I still can't play the guitar, but I got it for Christmas. <laughs> and I remember that really good year that I received the Apple IIc computer that really led me into that new digital world. I was so excited for those gifts. But you know what? As thrilling as those were and as, as thrilling as it was to go through that Sears catalog... All of those gifts, every single one of them, were essentially designed for my earthly expectations. They're, they were just for things that, that I enjoyed. They brought me temporary joy and satisfaction. If you have kids, you've probably given a big gift to them. And they've opened it up and, 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 and they got it out and set that to the side and they started playing with the box. You see, these things are fleeting. My Atari 2600, my guitar, my Apple IIc, they're probably in a landfill somewhere. They might have been ripped apart and recycled. They're gone. They're where all earthly possessions go, gone. But when I look at this story, and these, even in these 12 verses in Matthew chapter 2, I see everything is centered around Jesus. We, we look at the scripture and we see all the things. Whose star was it? Jesus' star. 
Where, who did they say they were coming to see? The king of the Jews. The new king of the Jews. Who was Herod scared of? A baby. Who did the scribes and, and prophets, who, who, did the, who, who did they say was being born in Bethlehem? Jesus, the anointed one. What did the wise men do when they started heading south for five miles to Bethlehem? They looked up and they saw the star and, and they rejoiced. It said they, they had great joy because they saw his star, his, his star again. And when they went in, they saw him with his mother. And then what did they do? They bowed down at his feet. Who did they give the gifts to? It wasn't Mary and Joseph. They gave it to him. And who did God protect the wise men from going back to Herod? He was protecting Jesus. Everything about the story, everything that we read in here centers on Jesus. So that's the question I have for each of us. Are we continuously centering things on Jesus? When we're giving of our time and our talent and our treasures, is it centered on Jesus? I'm not asking for you to get all Christianese. I'm saying to get to the point where you have a single mission what the Blues Brothers say? We're on a mission from God, okay? We are on a mission to serve Jesus Christ in great ways. And everything that we do should be centered in on him. Another thing that we see is that when, when they were centering everything, that became their entire obedience, you see, when we focus in on Jesus Christ as our center, we start to obey his word. We start to look to his word, just as the scribes found where Jesus was through scriptures. That's the direction we go because we center everything on him. Our next point. Our second point, crucial reminder, our giving isn't always convenient. It's not always a convenient thing it is to give. Have you ever prepared for a trip? Maybe you have a whole bunch of kids. The amount of energy, the amount of planning to get all the things ready to go, the clothes, the snacks, the activities, all the things that happen well before the trip has ever happened. And then you get into the car, or like our family, multiple cars, in order to take the trip. And, and, and you start making your way, and it, it, there's maybe chaos. You try to figure out all kinds of different things. And then you ask yourself, what in the world are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why are we spending this money? Why are we spending all this energy? And then you remember that you've got one particular focus. It's on the celebration of family coming together and you're, you're, you're making some great connections, some lifelong memories 
The things our kids pull out, our older kids, are all these memories of maybe just going to a hotel for a night, just to do it. Just going somewhere and, and serving people together. Whatever it might be. These, these things, because we are focused on the end point. When we look at the Magi and we see what they had to do, they were completely inconvenient, inconvenienced. This was not some easy trip. Let's say they were in Babylon and they're working their way all the way to Jerusalem. The amount of planning, the amount of resources it would take, the amount of preparation and the navigation to figure out what direction, how to go, what's the safest way, how to protect ourselves, how to get every, all your orders and, uh, to happen while you're gone because you don't know how long you're going to be gone. They didn't know exactly where Jesus was. They just went to Jerusalem hoping to figure out where he was. I, we don't know how long they were gone, but we know that it was rather inconvenient. They had a lot of stuff probably going on in their life, their personal life. And their schedule had to change because they had a singular focus. It was Jesus. They needed to worship. They were compelled to worship the king. I see that all the time here. I see people who are, allow themselves to be inconvenienced to help somebody else. Oh, that family's in need? Done. I'm going to be at their house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that for them. I'm going to bake them cookies. I'm going to give them a meal. I'm going to help this person on the corner. I'm going to give them money. All these different things, they're inconveniences. We're going different directions. Why do we do it? Hebrews 12.2 says, we are reminded to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus himself embraced the ultimate inconvenience to give of himself so he can give us the gift of salvation. That's what we're trying to reflect. We're reflecting the love that Jesus has already shown us. Philippians 2, 4 says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, this, this scripture just encourages us to, to look out for other ways to inconvenience ourselves because we're serving Jesus. Because that's what, it, what it's all about. It's about blessing others, reflecting the love and the grace that Jesus Christ shows us. The next point we see is, is that our giving is usually costly. It's usually rather costly. I remember on July 25th, 1996, I asked my future bride, Sherry, to marry me. And I did that by offering her a gift, an engagement ring. And that was very costly. Very costly. <laughs> I was still going to college. And so that was a hard thing to come up with. But you know what? I had, I had a plan. I put it in place. And I worked angles trying to figure it out. And then finally got it. Then I negotiated heavily. 
and then I bought it. Why? Because it was a significant life milestone. It was something that I was focused in on. That relationship with my wife, my future wife, was more important than anything in this world other than my walk with Christ. And that was why I spent so much money. Because I focused on it. No, it really probably wasn't that much money in terms. But for me, it was millions of dollars. Do you understand the point that, that when we want something, when we really want something, we go after it, and lots of times it costs us money. It costs financial stuff. It costs lots of time. It, it, it costs a lot of brain energy. When we look at the Magi, and we look at their gifts, now, not talking about their journey at this point, now just the gifts, we look at the gold, the frankincense and the myrrh. The gold, very valuable. We still like gold today. But gold was a gift that you give a king. Frankincense, again, very valuable. But it's something that the priests use in rituals. So it was a, a gift of divinity. And myrrh, again, costly. That was used for embalming. That was foreshadowing all that Jesus was going to do for us. He's going to live and die and be resurrected. These gifts were costly, economically, significantly, symbolically. But it was highlighting the Magi's recognition of who Jesus was. Just like the engagement ring was highlighting who Sherry was in my life, this is what they were highlighting. It's all yours because you are the king. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. But I don't think anything, because we look at this and we see our giving is usually costly, we immediately think money. All he's talking about is money. That, uh, maybe, I, I think the Bible must tell me that I must be wealthy. Okay, I better get more jobs. I, I don't think that's what it's saying. Uh, Dave Rieke on the video, he, he alluded to uh, and, and actually quoted some of 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Gospel of Mark talks about a, a, a widow's offering. She had nothing she had nothing basically at all to offer. What does it say in Mark 12, 43 through 44? Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. You see, it's not the material value. It's not how much it costs. You guys know that if you have kids or grandkids and they give you a note or a drawing, that thing is awesome. And that's way better than those new Jordans that you were going to buy me. You see, the value of, of someone's heart is way more important than the value of the item. You see, that guy in the corner who, who's hungry and you 
get out your wallet and you pull out a $20 bill and you give him some money so he can go get food or you go over to McDonald's and grab him, grab him a, a meal for $9.87 and they ask you to round up and you say no. <laughs> and then you go give him that, that $9.87, for some of you, that was extremely costly. For others, that didn't, didn't even, I mean, you wouldn't even think about it. You see, this is where we get to the heart of, of when we are giving stuff. How much is it costing us? And it's okay to give that $9.87 meal to somebody on the corner or, or that $20 bill. That, that's great. You follow the Holy Spirit's leading in all of those things. But you don't do any of those things because you want to put it on social media. Because you want people to see you. You do it because you're serving Jesus Christ. Because there is no value that compares with that. When we understand what Jesus has done for us, nothing compares to that. Nothing in my wallet. Nothing in my bank account. No time can compare. Everything is his. I also think when we're reading the story of the risk and the cost that it could have been for the Magi because they didn't go back to King Herod. Remember King Herod said, hey, once you find Jesus, come back and tell me. Well, it was because he wanted to kill the baby. He was threatened by the scriptures had said that there's going to be a new king of the Jews. He was the king of the Jews. And he was threatened by that. But the, the Magi were warned in a dream by God. And they were compelled by who Jesus was to not go back to Herod and to listen to their dream that was from God and go a different direction. It could have cost them their lives. And I think about that for us as Believers, Are we willing to lay out our faith and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I believe. I know it could cost me. It could cost me my job. It can cost me family members. Sometimes I see, I see people who are older who give their life to Jesus Christ be, more, be, be bolder than people who have been in love with Jesus Christ for 30, 40 years because it's a newfound love and they want to tell everybody about Jesus and they don't care. But sometimes the more seasoned believers, the more mature believers really take time to weigh out when they're going to actually live out their life for Jesus loudly because there's a cost to it. Sometimes you lose friends. Sometimes you lose family members. I'm not talking about you being a crazy person. But if that's what the Holy Spirit's guiding you to be, go out and shout. Just like we'll see with the shepherds. Our concluding point. Our giving confirms what we believe about Jesus. This is, takes us to the core 
of the Christmas narrative. It reflects the essence of our entire journey. Think about this scene. We don't know how long their trip was, but they saw a star. They were probably told from Daniel and it was passed on. And they heard and they saw a star that they knew that that's the king's star. We need to go to Jerusalem, the main city in Israel. We're going to go there and we're going to go meet this new king. And so they're excited. They're anxious. And, and they cannot wait to get there. And they walk into Jerusalem and they're like, okay, this may be the place. And then they're telling people, hey, hey, do you guys know where the new king of, of the Jews is? You know, and, and Herod gets word of it. They eventually go to, to them. They tell Herod, okay, well, we saw the star on this date. And, and, and so he's probably born around then. And, and we're, we're, okay, oh, we got to go down to Bethlehem. So they start heading down to Bethlehem. And, and they're walking down there five miles. And, and they look up and there's the star again. Oh my goodness, this is such great joy. We're so excited. We're going to see a king we're gonna see a king and they get up and the star like stops and it's over the house and they're like okay this is where the king is notice it wasn't a barn it was a house it wasn't with the other shepherds and stuff so they knock Oh, what's going to happen here? They're like looking at each other. Hey, just wait. Don't do anything. Let me do the talking. The door opens up. And they look in. And they see this baby, maybe running around. Eight months old to two years, somewhere in there. Wearing modest clothes. The place is not the grandeur of a king. You see, at that moment, I think many of us might have taken that gold and uh, stuffed it right back in our pocket. Hey, really good seeing you guys. Merry Christmas and be on our way. But their actions that they're about to do truly say what they believed. Are you getting that? Their actions told everybody. It told us today what they believed. So what did they do? They fell to their knees and they worshiped this kid, this infant, this baby because the Holy Spirit had pulled off the scales of their eyes and they saw who, for who he was. And they said, get, get the treasures, come on. And they gave gold and frankincense and myrrh. We don't know how much, but they probably just kept giving everything they had because they understood who Jesus was. And then, instead of the risk of the cost, they just got out of there after they were done. Who knows how long they were there? We don't know. And I wonder... As we approach this Christmas season, if that's what we do, 
You see, some of us have some really, really hard stuff going on. Like really, really hard. Like hard. But Jesus hasn't changed. Jesus is the exact same today that he was yesterday and he will be forever. Yeah, when he was born a baby, he grew in stature and maturity and and wisdom. But I know for a fact, friends, that Jesus lived an absolutely perfect life. I know for a fact that he went to a cross for you. And he went to a cross for me to forgive me of my sins. I know for a fact that his blood has allowed me to be forgiven because he was a perfect lamb. And I know for a fact that he did die and that he was raised again. We call it Easter Sunday. And I know for a fact that he ascended into heaven and that he right now sits on the right hand of God. He's advocating for me. Oh, I, I got Phil. I got Phil. I know he did that. I covered that already. He's advocating for me. He's advocating for many of you, those of you who love Jesus Christ. That should be the compelling reason for all that you do in giving. And I am talking about giving of your money. I'm talking about giving of of your time as well. I'm talking about giving of all of your focus. Do you truly believe that Jesus is our Savior, that he is the Prince of Peace, that he is the Messiah, that he is the bread of life, that he is the Lord of Lords, that he's the Son of God, the Good Shepherd, the Alpha and the Omega, the Great I Am, that he's the bread of life, that he is our rock and our cornerstone. Do you believe that with all of your heart? And if so, it's all yours. My whole life, the good stuff and the bad stuff, the easy stuff and the super, super hard stuff. Because, friends, I serve a sovereign God. Do you? You see, this Christmas, that should be our entire focus. All of Christmas is about Jesus. Everything about Christmas is about Jesus. Yeah, we should be trusting and sharing and giving and and, and doing all kinds of different things, but our center has to be right back on Jesus and who he is. Amen? Amen? Amen.